BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. When you see something you don't like, you can be a part of changing it. And that, I think, is, you know, really the uh, core of what Milwaukee's been about this whole time is, like, helping you find what you love and change what you don't about the city. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is definitely Milwaukee. Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. So much more than the night market. For many, the popular street festival is their first introduction to Milwaukee. But over its 10 years, the organization has gone from a group of volunteers putting on social events to an organization with 200,000 subscribers. And at the center of all of that is CEO and co-founder Angela Damiani. We met up at Milwaukee's downtown offices off Water Street to dive into the entrepreneurial spirit of someone who started her first company at age 22. We learned how her influence has grown from being the token millennial in different meetings to a powerful voice helping decide Milwaukee's future. And we find out the role that Milwaukee hopes to play in next summer's Democratic National Convention. Plus, we have a very special edition of the Fox 6-Pack of Questions. But first, here's Angela Damiani. We are hanging out in the Nuwaki offices with the CEO and one of the co-founders, Angela Damiani. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh my gosh, thanks for coming here to see me. Happy to be on your turf, I guess you can say. Uh, I'd be curious just to get started. You guys are involved in so many things and kind of have an eye on everything. How many balls in the air? How much stuff are you juggling on a, on a typical day? This is a random Tuesday morning oh, where we're meeting. Well, that's a really interesting question. You know, we do about 200 different programs a year. Yeah. So in some weeks, it's like almost every other day there's something going on, except for days when they're doubled up. Sure. For whatever reason, we intend to like, you know, sometimes things get a little squished with our production schedule. And then we have a variety of different public projects beyond the programs. Um, everything from the like erection of public art, a creation of new public spaces so um and then a bunch of like community initiatives so i would say there isn't a single day that looks the same as the others it's got to be exciting though keep things fresh i guess dynamic i don't think i'd be able to do this for 10 and a half years and like still see a future in it if it wasn't you know always evolving a lot of what i was going to ask you about is those 10 years and how you guys have changed and evolved over the years but for people who are not familiar or maybe they only know the night market or some of the other events they may have been at that you guys are a part of what is Milwaukee in your eyes? How did it get started and how did it grow into what it is today? Totally. So we are the nation's first social architecture firm, which is defined as um, the conscious design of an environment that shifts the social behavior of a population towards a goal. But that is not how we started. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds <laughs> very cool but confusing. The <laughs> academic and in the way we've built a frame and put our arms around all the different types of programs that we do. Um, Milwaukee started as a social club. I mean, that's all it really was. We were young and fresh out of college and curious about exploring the city. And so we started hosting, I mean, for lack of a better term, meetups, but 
meetup.com wasn't a thing back yes. then. So, you know, it was this very exciting time where we would say we're going to go pop up at this bar, this restaurant or a park, and then strangers would come. <laughs> and we just found that so, like, exciting that other people wanted to do the same things we wanted to do that that kind of fueled us to keep going. And um, from that, energy became really like the basis of our programming lineup, but it was very informal and it was all volunteer led. There were maybe a dozen of us that were each contributing in different ways. Um, and it was really freeform. So like somebody would say, should I sign up for like the summer volleyball league at of Bradford? And people would be like, yeah, I wanna do that. You know what I mean? So it was very decentralized and kind of chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> chaotic but organic in yeah, that way exactly. too as it got off the ground. Um, and then after a couple years it just got too big to manage as a, like a bunch of volunteers mm -hmm. and mostly because we were so excited about the public reception and you know what started as like maybe a dozen or two people showing up became hundreds and then thousands and it was like okay well we should probably form some sort of structure around yeah. this and there were a couple of things we were really clear on we didn't want to charge a membership we felt like that was not something that um, would allow for the diversity of people who are showing up to really feel like they would be welcome um, and we um, you know, tried our hardest to not have any ticket prices for anything, right? So how do we make it like as free and as accessible as possible? Which of course is like the world's worst business model. <laughs> I was gonna say, that's gotta <laughs> be like not the easiest thing to keep going. A bunch of free events and a free subscription to like be notified about those. Um, but what we had been sort of inadvertently doing was studying engagement and what makes people move, how to get them to take action, and then how to change a narrative about a place. and. In engagement consultation, um, which is the simplest way to describe what social architecture is, can be purchased by a lot of people. So whether it's you know people who are wanting to market to the audiences that are at the events from a consumer brand experience, yeah. or uh, more often than that, it's employer branding. So we have a ton of local companies here who are, um, you know, medium-sized, right? So they're not necessarily the household names that are legacy institutions, mostly manufacturers. <laughs> you know, so you're not like, waking up first thing in the morning and toggling their website and navigating to their career site. So they're concerned about making sure that people know that they're a part of the community yeah. and that they're a great place to work. What um, was it about Milwaukee? Because I understand you, you didn't grow up here. I've only been here about three years myself coming mm -hmm. for work. What was it about Milwaukee at that time where you guys not only saw a need, but also saw that there was a, a group that wanted that? You know, I don't know if we were being really conscious about that. I think we just personally didn't find what we were looking for for our, the extension of our own social lives. And that's been the part that's been so fun about this is at first it was about our own satisfaction, you yeah. know what I mean, and curiosity and sating that in some way. But um, over time, because we've learned all of these different things about how to engage people, now we get to help you know, small and large businesses, nonprofits, whatever it might be, to use the same sort of framework to achieve their objectives. And so in some ways I feel like, um, I don't know what was happening then. There just wasn't anything we wanted to do. Yeah. And so we figured we would create the things that we were looking for. Did you have kind of an entrepreneurial background already from work that you were doing before this became a full-time job? Or how has totally, that kind of grown yeah. over so, the years? I mean, I definitely thought I was going to work at my like college internship when I was in college. I wasn't thinking I was going to start on my own. And right. I, uh, I had a job for about maybe 15 months right out of school before I realized that like I 
just didn't want to work for someone else. <laughs> um, and so I, my first company I started when I was 22 was wow. um, basically a small PR shop. I mean, this was 12 years ago. So, you know, people were just sort of coming online in a more ubiquitous way. Like Facebook was becoming something that wasn't just for college students yeah. anymore. Twitter was now a thing. And so it was I remember really, when Facebook, you had to still have your exactly, .edu account exactly to, to get, get it, into yeah. it. And um, I helped a lot of, you know, small mom and pop businesses kind of come into a digital age and find an audience and do some like, you know, media relations for them. And that was really fun. And that's actually how I met my business partner okay. is um, I met him at a party and he asked me to help him write a press release. <laughs> Because I, you know, knew how to do yeah. that. Um, of course, for free. That's like the constant <laughs> joke between the two of us. I got like trapped into this permanent relationship <laughs> over a little bit of volunteer work. Um, but that, you know, I guess, yeah, it's become an iterative thing because um, we actually started two companies at the same time, Art Milwaukee and Milwaukee. Eventually, we let Art Milwaukee go. Um, it was just too much to manage, and Milwaukee seemed to be really like taking off. But in the recent past, um, as we sort of look forward to what's next for Milwaukee, um, we've been able to launch two other businesses out of of we've built what we've hmm. built for Milwaukee. So last year we uh, co-founded something called Nuance, which is an HR consulting and direct placement company. So for a long time we had people reaching out to us like, hey, I'm new to the city, I'm looking for a job. Yeah. And we had employers saying like, I like being at the events, but I'm looking for like a data analyst. Do you have one? And we had no way to match make that. Sure. It was really organic. And anecdotally we heard employers say like, oh, I found someone, but it was like, serendipity you know right time right place and our partner Amanda Daring um, has you know a dozen years of experience in um, talent acquisition and had some thoughts about how to make that more experiential and meaningful and less transactional and so we partnered with her to be able to offer that set of services to the broader wow. community and that's been going really well and then just last week we launched something called the Rev Collective which Actually, it's come fun to come full circle. Is a membership model um, for women who are looking to advance and accelerate their dreams. We've sort of been looking at the broader reception to the Me Too movement here and being discouraged with what opportunities women have to really like make a difference and achieve some of the goals we have for gender parity in the workplace and the community. And we felt like we couldn't take it anymore. We had to yeah. do something about it. So um, we're super excited about the reception we've had with that. It's a you know a week yeah, and a half old. Yeah, almost brand new, right? <laughs> <laughs> but already we have hundreds of people who've signed up um, ready to join us with yeah. that. So I feel like we've definitely made the right decision in, in launching that as well. Over the years, as it changed from, from hosting events and, and growing that base of people, first of all, just number-wise, do you kind of know what you're up to now in terms of the number of people that you work with and influence around? Oh, well, we have 200,000 subscribers. Wow. I don't know how to quantify the number of partnerships. I mean, because every single program we don't do in isolation. Yeah. I mean, there's it's very rare that we will try something and it's just Milwaukee on board. We are always partnering with all sorts of different organizations, whether they're place-based, so like neighborhoods or bids or other nonprofits for their specific content expertise or, or other companies yeah. for that matter. You know what I mean? So Night Market itself, I think, has 400 different partners. Wow. You know what I mean? to produce so you know we get like a lot of the shiny credit for 
the, you know, the 15,000 people that show up there, but it's because there's 400 different entities yeah, saying, doing come down here you yeah, know, and like yeah. join us for this. And again, I think because I'm more relatively new here, when I got here, it was pretty established, or mm-hmm. at least it was already a, a big deal. What do you remember about growing that from the early stages and how much has it kind of exploded over the years you know, to now you guys been, take yeah. over Wisconsin? Like a runaway success. You know, mo- the vein of most of our work is really temporal. So we will find a specific area or an issue and really want to shine a light on it, maybe for like a year or two and then move on, mm-hmm. right? So we're usually helping another entity kind of draw an audience and then they take it over. That's the way we prefer to work. But this night market beast has become something we like can't seem to figure out what to do with, you know. So it was just, um, it actually started as an art installation in that vacant lot on 4th and Wisconsin. And that was all it was supposed to be. It was just this, we erected this sort of um, structure for the summer. And then once it was up, had these 10 foot gaps in between it and my partner Jeremy said wouldn't this be cool if these were like market stalls and you could kind of like weave through it and it'd be sort of like this European like you're in maybe a a marketplace experience and so we decided to experiment with that in that first summer and it was really niche I mean super kooky (laughs) you know off the wall like a lot of a lot more um, I guess art centric and then the audience was also like very interested in that too now, I mean, it's everything you can think of in terms of like participating vendors as well as the audience. So we have young families, you know, with strollers, we have yeah. the office workers, the residents who are downtown. I mean, the other thing that's changed is Westtown has had several hundred new apartments added to it in the last five years. So you know, when we started, there was no neighborhood. There were no neighbors around us, you know what I mean? And now it's become something that's beloved by the people who've chosen to live in that area as, you know, their special festival. Every neighborhood has their own, like, you know, whether it's Brady Street Fest or the Bayview Bash, now Westtown has their own, like, big spectacle as well. Yeah, it's kind of appealing for people to move down there as I kick the table and make a very (laughs) loud noise with that producer watching. Um, How does the the business model maybe change, or what are the challenges as you do transition from uh, kind of grassroots organization where you guys are just putting on events and trying to figure this whole thing out to where you guys really are kind of a power player working with organizations, connecting your base and your members with business opportunities and with businesses around the area? What, are, what changes um, about I that? I think, you know, from the external perspective, like if you were to just have been on our newsletter for the last 10 years, I don't know if you've seen a change. Hmm. You know, like you see really fun and dynamic events that are always evolving that you can opt in or out of. You know what I mean? We yeah. have people who come to one thing a year and then we have like some diehards who show up to every single event. <laughs> <laughs> we make them like take the trash out with us at the end of the night too, you know? Um, and I also think um, our audience has grown with us. You know, when we started, we were all in our early 20s and it's been interesting to see the augmentation of some of our th- things like the night market is just family friendly. So folks who maybe had had a couple kids and moved up to the burbs now have a reason to re-engage with Milwaukee in a way that they you know, didn't need to. Yeah. The primary audience of those who come are still people who are new to the city or in a moment of transition. So they're looking for a job or they just had a breakup or you know what I mean, whatever it might be. And so they're they're looking to get hooked in and we hope we can be like the pass through for them to 
find whatever it is they need to feel a sense of belonging here. On the business side of things, I mean, I think we know what we're doing. You know, that's really like, that's how we're (laughs) able to make make money is to be able to say with confidence that we know, you know, everything we've learned about community engagement has a direct correlation to how employers structure their employee engagement. We know exactly what's going to work and not work. And so we can speak as experts when we're functioning as a consultant in that way. Um, And we also know what's going to work or not work in terms of what they want to do in front of an audience, like one of our audiences. You know, it's very... I think maybe at the beginning we were just eager to please and we were like, come with us, you'll enjoy it. And, you know, there were definitely moments where the wheels kind of fell off because they were being obnoxious or the, you know, guests were like, what is with that dude in the corner? And his like (laughs) pop up banner. Um, So we can be much more thoughtful now about, you know, what are you actually trying to get out of this interaction? And then what are you going to do with that? audience once you've engaged them right you can't think that you're going to pop up at one event one time and suddenly have like a million new resumes flooded into your door or you know a ton of new business like it's like buying one billboard for one day right it's just not going to work you need to have more presence and people need to feel like they're authentically able to connect with you and so we can advocate for that in a way that i don't think we were able to maybe we knew inherently when we were starting but we weren't able to be articulate about it And so to be able to have that expertise is really fun. And, you know, as a result, we don't just work here in Milwaukee. We work all over the country. You know, that that type of engagement is needed everywhere. Um, So I'm excited to be able to, like, share what we've practiced and really honed in on in other places. Yeah, that's neat to see. I'd I'd be curious, too, if you guys have seen kind of your standing as a little bit of a power player grow in the city as well, where you guys have this base of people that, I know from our background in in TV, that's the group that everyone's targeting. That's the group that everyone wants to figure out if they Mm -hmm. can. And you guys have kind of a direct line to that. Has that changed and grown over the years? Mm, I think that we were included in conversations we probably shouldn't have been too early (laughs) because we were the young people. You know what I mean? Like it was nice to have a token young person. And most of our peers were just starting out in their careers. And so like, you know, whenever there was something going on that needed to involve millennials, it was easy to tap one of us to be able to say like, oh, we've checked that box. Now there are millennials president present for this community conversation. Um, and I, we, I don't take that for granted that, you know, we had to maybe be a voice for like everybody yeah, <laughs> under a certain age yeah. or something. You know what I mean? Insane. Um, I think maybe what's evolved is that we are more cognizant of that fact now and we know how to advocate for it better. And, and also I think we've realized that it's less about, our work is less about that next generation and more about everyone finding a sense of belonging. You know, mm-hmm. social isolation is on, on a serious rise because of our current technological landscape. Yeah. And we recognize that really the discord that most workplaces were having was not a generational difference, but really the fact that the newest generation were digital natives and how technology has transformed most workplaces has still remains to be seen. I mean, there are plenty of companies, even legacy companies that are 150 years old that won't survive in the next 10 years because they're not getting online and interacting with technology in a way that's necessary for their Mm. business to adapt to what our modern economy is. And so that causes a bunch of riffraff that felt like these young kids want things that only young kids want but if you're really candid about the the cultural shifts that the technology has allowed our workplaces to have um it's stuff that everyone wants 
in terms of flexibility or the ability to work remote or whatever that is. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, the our, I guess, drumbeat we've been sort of signaling in the last couple of years was it's not about, like, getting millennials or this Gen Z to do something. It's about ensuring that people have you know those life transitions they're experiencing are when people feel like they're disconnected how can Milwaukee's programs help to reconnect people to whatever it is they're looking mm-hmm. for I and in that, that way we, we've become more ubiquitous so yeah. even I guess you could say more powerful but the audiences have diversified yeah. in terms of who's coming to things I know I've heard um some of the things that you've spoken about are pretty fascinating in terms of as we get more connected to our phones and theoretically more connected, you're actually kind of falling away from actual interpersonal relationships and things with people. It's interesting. We piloted a program last week called Offline, which we had intentionally designed to ask the guests to um, go offline with us and have a conversation about what it means to be offline in a digital age. And even though I was totally on board and excited about the program, five minutes before we had to all turn our phones off. Right. I, it personally had like this moment of extreme anxiety. <laughs> like, like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to be completely disconnected right. from this thing that I decided to do. <laughs> I mean, so it's still, even in that way, like it takes practice. Yeah. You know, you can be as intentional as you want about it, but it's hard. It's, it's hard. very and hard, I, it's like, also probably healthy. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting like how many times I, you know, cause I, pr- I participate with everyone else. Like, all right, call is the beginning of everyone put your phone turn them off put them in this bag and we'll all like be here together i must have reached for my phone 20 times in the first 15 minutes you know i mean just unconsciously you just do it because what you're you know we've all become addicted to it so yeah it's not like i've figured that part out either (laughs) it's all practice for all of us in that way since you have been uh kind of labeled a token millennial over the years and i fit into that same generation as you i want to talk positive so what do you think are some of the positives about our generation about the one after in terms of Mm. uh their abilities their their interests things like that that maybe does get overlooked by some of the oh millennial stuff out there what do i think is well i do think um I think there's sort of an understanding that we're being sold to all the time. You know what I mean? Whereas, I, I have, so for instance, I just rewatched Mad Men <laughs> um, from start to finish. Um, and I was, you know, curious about it, having watched it in the context of 10 years later. Partly because of all the stuff we're doing around Rev Collective. And I was yeah. thinking, you know, in that era of Me Too, I don't think the show would have done that well. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? If it had like, just come out now. There's and a couple of my favorite movies, like yeah. Wedding Crashers exactly. and things like that, that just maybe don't Suddenly hold it up. feels like, yeah. should I laugh anymore? Ooh. You know? So that was interesting, but but it, more in the vein to what you're asking is, um, you know, the idea that, like, you could place an ad and then see a needle jump instantly, yeah. right? Because, like, we just were not being talked to the way that we are now with the volume of like inputs we have for communication. Um, I think we live in a time where millennials and Gen Z know that everyone's trying to sell them. It's not this like surprise yeah. thing you can like, you know what I mean, persuade an audience to do something. That savviness is interesting to me, um, particularly as it relates to the sort of like political consciousness of these younger generations, you know, um, and it's, it's interesting to think about my in-laws are in, in their 80s. And they still, even with like all the things that we know to be true, will watch the 6 o'clock news and take it as fact. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's like where they were 
you know, yeah. told that this is, you know, a, tr- some, a source to be trusted and that what's said here has been, like, vetted by this, like, you know, third yeah. party who is unbiased. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's no, there's no um, space for argument around it. It's just, well, I heard it, so it's true. And I just don't think that this, this young generation thinks that way. And what that allows for, I think, is um, more involvement. Yeah. Um, than perhaps past generations really had. I mean, particularly that Gen Z, I look a lot at like the um, the Parkland ac- activists and to see them be so young and so involved and trying to navigate. So like, still, you know what I mean? Like yeah. really, you know, they're trying to move archaic systems, you know, in terms of like getting people to vote yeah. and um, pass legislation and things like that so they're trying to work within the confines of like our the infrastructure of our political landscape um but the way that they're able to like command an audience and be so savvy and to not not just have you know the like trite like oh i had a chance to meet with a senator and they heard my you know what i mean and be patted on the head and just like move on it's like no but what are you going to do like i'm going to actually hold you accountable because i have access to you in a way that you know perhaps a meet and greet would have been enough to shut them up yeah. even 25 years ago, right? And they would have gone away. We would no longer be talking about them as like, yeah. um, I don't know, people of influence, Yeah. you know? So that I think is what's so exciting about this next generation is that they're so conscious and so aware. And while there tends to be apathy, I would say generally amongst the American public when it comes to things like our, you know, politics and yeah. actually voting and things like that, um, I do have this sense of revived like enthusiasm for Gen Z, like maybe this will be the next generation that like is actually able to do something because they they just seem so aware and involved, yeah. you know. Yeah, and kind of not standing for yeah. certain things anymore, willing to kind of fight for some of the changes, maybe. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Everybody says that I guess about the next generation, but like the <laughs> onus on them. But well, speaking of I mean, the next generation, uh, you and I are both parents. Yes. I, I have a slightly little, younger. Little, uh, what is it, Gen A? <laughs> yeah, whatever alphas. they're going to be. I don't even know. <laughs> um, I'd be curious just because I've kind of thought about this in my own own career and online work. But how did that change you? Because I imagine there was a time in your life where everything was focused on Milwaukee. Newa- everything was kind of all in on this and how how has that changed and how maybe is that for the better as well um it's definitely for the better i would say my whole pregnancy last time um was uh there was like a sense of i was really excited and like really obviously curious about what the next chapter of our lives would be but i was really present to how much it felt like i had a a nine-year-old kid with Milwaukee, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, you know, imagine, like, a third grader, like, pot- probably could on the, get on the bus by itself, but, like, can't be home after school for sure. too long. Still you need to mean? make so meals like, for. Still, yeah, like, like <laughs> up and functional, but, like, not something I felt like I could walk away from. And um, I think that was probably my management style as well you know what i mean to want to be involved to want to touch everything to want to have oversight and um you know what i quickly learned is that as a new mom you can't you just physically can't be that present like you it's not possible and so um i will tell you the year i had him that was Milwaukee's most profitable year which I attribute to me being less involved and less like getting out of everyone's way um and having a chance for you know our team to really excel on their own without me micromanaging them so 
that I feel like I've learned. <laughs> and, um, and I, you know, I set a goal to not come back from my leave and like pick up where I left off, but to like really be more in a strategic role. So my job is really about working on the business instead of in it. And I had talked about wanting to do that for a long time and had that as an intention, but I candidly just wasn't, you know what I mean? Like I was still touching stuff I didn't need to touch. And so, you know, it's been really fun the last two years to watch my team members really thrive and become even more honed in and experts on whatever area of the business they work on um, and to just be a support to them rather than getting in the way. (laughs) And so that's been really, really great. And it's also freed me up to be focused on where there might be other opportunities. So we're um, actively pursuing buying a building and applying what we've learned about that temporal experience to a physical location. So if we were to have a centralized hub where like, yeah, what would it you be? know, what would it a look new like? Milwaukee could be generated 365, yeah. what would that look like? And I wouldn't have had the space to pursue a new development yeah. had I been so consumed. If and you can trust that the details are being taken care mm-hmm. of, it gives you the ability to kind of look totally. at the big picture a little bit. Yeah. And then these two new businesses, I mean, I think the the future for Milwaukee is to be a place where when you have a really great idea, we can help you spin it out. Because not only do we have expertise, but we also have that subscribership. Yeah. So anything that's B2C that's focused on this market, we have the opportunity to not only you know make an equity investment, but also give you an audience to get things off yeah. the ground. And I don't, I don't foresee that ending. I think that this is just the beginning of yeah. that. And and that for me feels like the highest and best use of all the strange knowledge I've accumulated <laughs> in the last decade is how to how to focus on that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Moving forward. Speaking of an audience, there's going to be a whole lot of eyes on Milwaukee next summer yeah. with the DNC coming to town. What are you guys already thinking about how you can play a role in that mm-hmm. and then also what that can mean for your growth and Milwaukee's growth in general? Well, the all roads kind of lead back to Night Market, to be honest with you. So we're actively um, exploring what it would mean to have that be a officially sanctioned part of the experience because the dates line up perfectly, um, which would be amazing to be able to really give a platform to all of those small business owners who wouldn't otherwise have access to the delegates um, and the, you know, big economic impact they're talking about this having on the community, you know, making sure that it goes to more than just like our local caterers, you know, which is great and super exciting for like anyone that owns a hotel, but, you know, the soap makers and the like (laughs) jewelry purveyors and things we have like they should have a chance to like have that and then for the delegates to show them the most diverse crowd in the city of Milwaukee I mean there's no event that is as diverse and as inclusive as the night market and so I would just be so proud to have that be the thing that people walk away from Milwaukee yeah. having as an experience um, and then sort of second to that we're actively um, looking for vacant storefronts in and around downtown for some of our vendors who are ready to scale into a brick and mortar space to have a pop-up program that runs for the second half of 2020. Um, And so I'd love to have that also be highlighted and to again, give those small business owners access to spaces they wouldn't otherwise have. And, And quite frankly, to fill some of the yuckiness, right? Like there's just plenty of holes in downtown still you know and it would be great to not have there be like tons of boarded up windows when we have 50,000 extra eyes here right so there's some like a beautification angle there that I think 
um, we could do a lot of good. Yeah. Having an impact. And hopefully on that. It would have a little bit of a lasting impact too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of people that we've talked to about the DNC say they really do hope it will be kind of the jumping off point. Some other people, just in general, about Milwaukee, say they 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 want it to be the next Austin, the next Nashville, or something like that that pops up. How realistic do you think that is, and, and what do you see as some of the traits that could lead Milwaukee to, to really boom and expand from there? Hmm. I mean, I do think it's our moment in the sun, but I think, you know, in terms of the people who are coming, they're not people who are going to relocate here, right? Sure. They're like Yeah, maybe a bigger picture question about, yeah, you know besides I mean? like, the DNC, just what it takes to, to have Milwaukee be that destination yeah. that people would want to relocate to. And I think I'm, I'm very excited about this opportunity. I'm excited about participating in any of the initiatives that you know people want us to join in i'm cautiously optimistic though about the juxtaposition of the democratic values against the social ills that we have in this community mm-hmm. right there's just it's a perfect narrative to be able to talk about because most conventions on either side of the aisle are the big like promises yeah. that are made you know what i mean about how they're going to bring you you know the new hope or the new light into the world and I think for as much as Milwaukee has going on we have a lot of stuff we need to work on too and having the contrast there I don't think most of our national international media that are coming are gonna just ignore and so I'm I'm a little bit concerned about how you know everyone's thinking like 50,000 people are coming and now will be the new Nashville and I think we have more um, more to be concerned about than that you know what I mean like yeah. you can't sort of just whitewash downtown and think oh it's perfect everyone's just gonna buy the like perfect lily white (laughs) story we're you know telling about this place um although we don't get included in things nationally i mean i was just invited on um a fam tour that the wdc was hosting with some journalists that they're trying to you know you kind of prime for next summer and one of the individual said he had a huge fight with his editor who was like why would i let you go on this like there's nothing happening in milwaukee besides the dnc you know what i mean and like you don't need to go a whole year in advance and so um and he writes for like a bunch of large-scale um national publications and i think that is something that the dnc potentially has the opportunity to change is just exposure to what is going on here you know he was excited the fam tour he doesn't pay for it right? it's gonna be like this vip <laughs> sure. thing sure he's looking for like you know the opportunity to like have a great trip and see what's here um but his like editor's comments about like there's nothing going on this is the, that's the exposure we get to yeah. you know look forward to with this is to be able to say well there is yeah and hopefully it's all mostly positive and that helps to like kind of change that larger narrative about us being a real option yeah and we'll see and it does kind of have that uh, little stereotype probably nationally of like, oh, beer, cheese, and Midwest values. Right, but exactly. to get it out there that there is so much else mm-hmm. happening and so much else to enjoy about the city as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious, since you're not from here, I'm not from here, what have you learned to love about Milwaukee? What are some of the things mm. that, that are most uh, stand out to you? you I think? just love how accessible this place is. My husband is not from here either, and he spent most of his young adulthood in Chicago. And so, you know, we just regularly, I don't know, breathe a sigh of relief like isn't this so great there's everything like the you know access to the farmers markets on saturday afternoon or access to i mean just this morning i was working in stone creek for a couple hours and like the lieutenant governor walked in and he and i could like chit chat like in what world is that a thing that that happens you know what i mean that you have like access to 
people of influence in that way. It's and just, not when it's set up through a whole line exactly, of, of literally, secretaries you're just and publicists. Like gonna order a bagel, you know. <laughs> so that that I think is what's so unique about this place, and what it means is that when you see something you don't like, you can be a part of changing it, and that I think is you know really the uh, core of what. Milwaukee's been about this whole time is like helping you find what you love and change what you don't about the city yeah and so that I mean Milwaukee's the reason I think I love it so much because this platform has been able to Mm. continues to show me parts of the city I didn't know existed and you know reveal new aspects or elements to us that we get to turn around and show other people which is just Mm. so exciting that's about as good a way to end it. Uh, excited for the future and excited to have you part of the team that, that's leading us into the next 10 years of Milwaukee and Milwaukee as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. It is time now for the Fox Six Pack of Questions, a chance to get to know the folks that put in so much work and effort into making the station and our product uh, on air so great each and every day. And this is a very special one for us here because I am joined by Leanne Watson, our executive producer for special projects, including this one. Leanne. Hi, thanks you're for having me, Carl. This side of the microphone It's a little now. weird. Yeah, not sure if I like it, but we'll just go with it. It's Leanne fine. Leanne has been uh, such a huge proponent for this podcast, getting them off the ground, including open record for the investigators. Sad for us here at the station because she's actually leaving us soon. I am. I am. It's not. It was not an easy decision, but I am moving on and it's bigger and better things. Well, you know, it's I'm, it's a new chapter. We'll put it that way. But I hope that this podcast continues and you keep putting in the effort because it's totally awesome. And I know people love listening to it. We so. will somehow, some way, continue without you. It will Although, happen. Everything will survive without me. <laughs> the reason we wanted to do this is because even though you don't get to hear her and necessarily see her on air, Leanne has meant so much to the station, both in terms of the investment investigative unit and our promotable pieces, the long form stories that we love doing so much and this podcast. So you have been uh, in the studio recording so many of these have, with me. Yeah. Do you have your answers ready I to go? No, no. It seems odd. Like you maybe I would have maybe thought about them, right. but I just haven't because I never thought I would be on this side. So now I'm like, oh no, I probably should have prepared something. <laughs> Perfect. But we like off the cuff we'll anyway. See how it goes. It's going to be fine. <laughs> Question number one, besides the wonderful job here at Fox 6 and uh, the city of Milwaukee, what drew you to the area, to Milwaukee in the first place? Well, I'm originally from the suburbs of Chicago. And so Milwaukee was kind of that happy medium where it wasn't living in Chicago or in the suburbs of Chicago. Not that I don't like them. It's just I wasn't didn't want to be there. But it's still close enough to family. And yeah. I feel like you still kind of have that city vibe with Milwaukee, but not as big of a city as Chicago. Whenever I go back to Chicago, I'm like, mm, this is this is too much. So Milwaukee's the right size for me and, and my family. And so we really like being here. Been here eight and a half years and I have no plans on leaving. There so. you go. A commute here that's like 30 minutes is ungodly long. And in Chicago, that's normal. You're yeah, lucky. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. So <laughs> Question number two. Outside of work, outside of home with your lovely husband and daughter, where are we most likely to find you around the city? Um, this is probably going to be a super lame answer, but the gym. Yeah. <laughs> Get it, Leanne. <laughs> I am. I'm super into CrossFit and powerlifting. So if I'm not at home or at work, that is usually where I am. So, so yeah, that's what I like to do. Because she can throw us all around. A reason to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> no. I don't know. I don't know about that. I just enjoy doing it. It's yeah. a nice, like, form of stress relief and, you know, the kind of testing your body a little bit in ways that you normally wouldn't. There so you it's, go. it's fun. It's yeah. excellent. Uh, what and where, after you burn all those calories, <laughs> was the last great meal that you had around the area? Oh, I feel like this is a kind of obvious one that 
people may be like, oh, okay, that's a cop out. But I would say Blue's Egg. Yeah. Um, I love their brunch. It was the first restaurant I went to when I moved to Milwaukee. And we had no idea what to expect. And we've gone back so many times. And we went back a couple weeks ago. Um, and I got blueberry and lemon on glazed pancakes. And they were divine. They're so good. So Blue's Egg. There's a reason the lines out the door are always yeah. crazy. It's because oh, it's yeah. that good, right? So good. And their monkey bread is phenomenal. So <laughs> yeah, just getting all the carbs. There you just go. Delicious. Not a cop out at all. All right. This is many people's favorite question, or at least most <laughs> difficult question. Who plays you in a movie, Leanne? Oh, God, no one. Um, <laughs> let me think. I don't think there's like anyone that looks like me or anything, at least not in my mind. The good thing is that people listening don't necessarily yeah, know, they don't what, know what it looks like. like. So I, think I, would, this, I don't know if this is weird or not, but I think I would want Colby Smulders to Ooh, play me. I like it. I like her. I think she's cool, and she's like a little bit quirky, and yeah. I think that I'm like a little bit weird sometimes. <laughs> so I think that she could play me, and... I, th- I think that makes me seem cool. She so. seems like very <laughs> down to earth with a lot of like feistiness behind yeah, her as well. Yeah. yeah, so I think I think she could pull it off if she wanted to. And we'll so. see if she's yeah, open we'll to ask. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, okay. What is a talent or skill that we should really know about? Oh boy. Um, yeah, I really haven't thought of these answers. I don't <laughs> think I have any talents or skills. She just has so um, many that it's difficult no, to pick one. No, I don't. Um, Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm going to think about it. Now like, I'm like, the clock is ticking and I need to think of something. The clock is literally ticking. It like is. Sarah's like looking six. at it like, ah. um, <laughs> I can come back to this if you want no, to. I, gotta, I, got, I have to have something. I feel like there's something I can do that people don't know about. <laughs> I just don't know what it is. Can you juggle? Uh, no. Great at karaoke? No. Oh God, no. <laughs> um, I really like to bake. I don't Ooh, know if that's right. like a, a secret talent, but I really enjoy baking. Nice. Do you have I've, a go-to recipe? Uh, no, I just like trying new new recipes right. and new things. And like I've always like growing up with my mom, we always used to bake Christmas cookies. And nice. it's something that's just kind of stuck with me. And so I really enjoy baking. Um, and I, it's something that I do with my daughter now too. And oh, she really cool. loves it. So yeah, I'll go with that. That works. I like yeah, it. Cool. I, I'd be willing to taste test if you need to yeah, determine sure. if that's actually I'll bring, actually I'll bring a some baked goods in. All right. Final question for you. What is the most random job you've ever had? Um. Oh, goodness. Uh. Well, my very first job, and this is a throwback to another episode, actually, because it's the same job as someone else was working at Target. Um, Same as Brett Lemoyne, if you've listened to that episode. Um, I did not have, I was not the voice of Target. (laughs) Um, I helped open a store in Rosemont, Illinois. So when I first started working there, it was stocking shelves and, you know, 16-year-old me, stocking shelves. And then I worked guest services. So it was, you know, I got yelled at a lot and just had to kind of smile (laughs) at that and go, I have zero control over this, so I'll just give you your money back. Um, That yeah, people get really angry at Target. Um, That's what I learned when I worked there. Um, So only worked there for like a year, and then that was it. So there you go. I don't know if it's a strange job, but it was my first job. Well, people take something away. Be nicer to the folks in retail, especially during this holiday season. Please do. Yeah, they'd really appreciate it. So Uh, I'm trying to see if I can throw you any curveballs because we're done with it. Those were all curveballs. Like I knew they were all. I knew I knew them all, and I was like, what's the next one? And I'm like, how do I not remember? I'm like on the spot. Let's do a bonus question for you. What is the either best piece of advice? career-wise or anything that you would like to leave folks with? Um, This is something that's actually really important to me. Always be willing to learn. Um, That is something that no matter what job you're in, no matter what you are doing, being open to learning is super important. And I think that no matter what you do, there's always something new you can learn about your job or your career or your profession. Um, You're never going to be an expert, even if you are an expert. There's always going to be something new to learn. So just be open to learning and embracing the learning process. Very well said. And we'll serve you well in your new endeavors. We've certainly learned a lot from you, Leanne. It's been a pleasure to work with you. Thanks, Carl. Oh, you're making me cry. The podcast will continue. The tears will will stop now. It will. (laughs) 
And with that, we wrap up another edition of Definitely Milwaukee. Thank you once again to Angela Damiani of Milwaukee and, of course, Leanne Watson, who has meant so much to me and to this podcast and to the station as a whole. We wish her nothing but the best. If you want more from Definitely Milwaukee, because we are going to soldier on without Leanne here, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast service, leave us a rating and a review, and please check out Open Record as well, the podcast with the Fox 6 investigators. You can download the latest episodes of either of those pods anytime at fox6now.com. 